We uh, ended last week with the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was uh, closing out his, his sermon, and we talked about living a life on the firm foundation of Christ Jesus. Uh, and so we have traveled through primarily chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew, and for the rest of the year, we are going to uh, pick out uh, parables and portions of scripture that probably are familiar to you. I think this one probably is familiar to a majority of you uh, from Jesus and his teachings. And so we'll be doing that for the remainder of of the year. And today we are looking uh, over here at this selection in Matthew 11. I want to start today uh, by walking in a little bit of humility uh, with you guys. Um, You know, there are some things that I feel like I'm really good at. Uh, and there's some things that I'm not good at. And then there are these things that I think I'm good at, but I'm really not good at. Anybody relate? One of those things uh, is, is driving. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, uh, I've come to realize that I'm not the best driver. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's not necessarily an epiphany so much as I have like some, you know, some, I've kind of uh, pushed down the idea of the notion that I was a bad driver. Uh, and, uh, you know, I have the, this aversion to signs such as these. Uh, and, uh, you know, and at moments when I see signs such as these, I get like a moment of dyslexia and I transpose the numbers and, uh, and that's not really good for anybody uh, at, at, that, at that moment. But, um, but what I've really come to realize is it's not actually that I'm a bad driver or that I don't know how to drive or I don't know how to actually park in the lines of the parking spot. It's that I'm only a bad driver when I'm in a rush. I'm a bad driver when I'm in a rush. And if there are enough people in my life who say that I'm a bad driver, then that must say that I'm in a rush all too often. Limits in our lives, such as speed limits, tell us the max potential or the max allowance we have on what we are to go or to do. Is anybody followed behind somebody going under the speed limit? Anybody? Okay. Do you realize that that person is well within their rights to go that speed because the speed limit is actually the fastest that you are allowed to go? It's not a telltale sign to everybody that you better at least be going this speed or faster to make me happy. In other words, if I tell my daughters you may have three pieces of candy and they choose to take one piece or two pieces, They are well within the limits of what I've given. The only problem comes is when they go from three to four. Then they are outside of the limit. I wonder how many of us are operating outside of the limits and the boundaries that God has placed on our lives. How many of us are operating outside of the limits of our lives so that when we see signs such as this, in Tennessee, this means a slow roll, But when we see signs like this, we translate it as this. We translate it as this. And we go, and we go, and we go, and we go. Might I suggest to you that the Lord will sometimes put people in your life or circumstances in your life to slow you down. To slow you down because it is in the still moments with the Lord 
that we know him better, that we know him better and that we are filled, but we have so much tendency because of the culture we live in to be go, 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 go. When God is saying, stop, slow down, hold on a minute, wait before you address that concern. Wait before you try to do another thing. Stop before you punch the clock one more time. We are a culture, we are a people who are on go. And because of that, a consequence of that is we find ourselves in a perpetual pattern of being weary, burdened, burnt out, Worried, anxious, sluggish, tired. Can anybody relate in this room? Can anybody relate in this room? We are a weary, burdened people. But thank the Lord Jesus that he sees us in our condition and he gives us a pathway forward. He gives us a pathway out. And that's what we're going to talk about today. In the passage that we're examining today, Jesus gives us three pieces of instruction. And guys, the first piece of instruction that Jesus gives us, might I submit to you, is the most important thing I'm going to say all morning long. If you don't pick up anything else, pick this one up because it is the greatest invitation we've ever been given, but it is the most neglected one. And it is, come to me. Come to me, says Jesus. Come to me, come to me, come to me, says Jesus over and over and over again. Come to me in the middle of your circumstance. Come to me in the middle of your storm. Come to me when you don't know what to do. Come to me when you do know what to do. Come to me, come to me. Jesus beseech us to come to him, to go to him. It is one of the most neglected neglected invitations that we ever have in scripture as a part, of our, a part of our lives. Because when we're carrying our burdens, when we're weary because of our burdens, we will often go to people, to places, and to vices before we will ever entertain the idea of going to the Lord. When I get tired or worn out, I'll get advice from somebody else. When I get tired or worn out and I'm carrying a burden, I'll go to a place that might give me some answers. When I have a burden, I'll go to the TV and see what it's got to say about what I'm going through. When I've got a burden, I'll go to my vice so that it can numb me for just a moment from the headache of having to deal with it. And eventually we get so worn out, so distraught that we might consider, hey, Maybe I should go to Jesus. Maybe, maybe he has something to say about this. Come to me, he says. All who are weary and who are burdened. The connotation there in scripture is those who have taken on more than they can bear. And in a room this size, if we are honest with each other, there are a lot of us that are carrying a weight that we need lifted from our lives. We need lifted from our shoulders. And Jesus says, come to me. 
come to me. Or maybe you're like, I have been in my life that the burden that's in front of me causes me to want to perform better. I need to perform better. I need to do better. I need to do more. I need to work harder so that this thing will go the way it's supposed to go. Well, I wanna tell you today that when you go to Jesus, you'll realize that his presence is of far greater importance than your performance. We are a performance-oriented society, are we not? We like to perform and we like to perform well. But as we perform and we don't understand our, our why, then we perform ourselves right into the ditch to where we are burdened and worn out and distraught, et cetera, et cetera. There's a story that Jesus tells over in Luke chapter 10. Many of you are familiar with it and I'm gonna read it, it's kind of short. Listen to this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted. Can you say distracted? We are a people who are distracted. Martha was distracted by what? By all the preparations. By all the preparations, Martha was distracted. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all this work by myself? Tell her to help me. I want you to understand that when Martha went to Jesus, she had the answer she needed him to say in her mind. But do you know that God doesn't always give us the answers that we want? He doesn't always give us the answers that we want. She had already resolved in her mind, you need to tell Mar uh, Mary to get up and get to. But Jesus doesn't respond in that way. Jesus says, Martha. You ever notice that Martha, Martha is on there, in there twice? Sometimes we've got to, you know, and if I'm trying to get my kids' attention, Hadassah, Hadassah, Martha. Martha, listen to me. Mary has chosen what is best and it will not be taken from her. Martha, you are distracted. You are worried about many things. Guys, we are distracted by and worried about many things. But guys, only one thing is needed. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And sometimes we can be in situations because some of you are leaders in ministries, you're leaders at your jobs, you're leaders in, uh, in coaching or teaching or whatever it is, and you can forget who you're doing it for and therefore treat the people you're around in all types of way that do not line up with the Holy Spirit. Because as we respond to people, as people who are walking by the Spirit, who are filled by the Spirit, it is evidenced by what? The fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Is that what you're exhibiting to others? One of the largest indicators, guys, that you've got too much on your plate, that you're not spending time with the Lord, 
is in how you respond to others. Aren't you glad you came this morning? (laughs) The second thing Jesus says is this, come to me and take my yoke. Take my yoke. Now, some of you here do not know what a yoke is. It is not the center of an egg that is yoke with an L, okay? But a yoke, a yoke is a wooden or metal crossbeam that was used to to lead animals, to allow animals to take the burden, the heaviness of the burden on themselves. And so what happens is, is farmers would take this yoke and they would place it on a pair of oxen. And what would happen is, is they would pair a younger, weaker, inexperienced ox with a stronger, one with muscle, one that had strength and experienced ox. And they would put them together under this yoke and they would attach the two oxen together, which meant that they had to do the work in lockstep. But what it also meant was that the one who had the strength was the one that would bear most of the load. And so as these oxen would work together, bear it, whether it's traveling with people or carrying cargo, whatever it, whatever it was, the burden, the heaviest part of the burden was given to the one that was stronger. Jesus wants you to take upon his yoke. He wants you to be attached to him. And when you attach yourself to him, he says, I'm the one with more experience. I'm the one who's stronger. I'm the one who can make sense of this thing. So listen, attach yourself to me and we will walk together and I will do the heavy lifting. You see, we get it mixed up, especially when we think that we're attached to Jesus and we say, listen, Jesus, you take a back seat. I'll lead from this point forward. And then the heaviness crushes us and Jesus is right there going, you pitiful little sheep. What were you thinking? He wants to lead us. He wants to guide us. He wants to take the heaviness off of us and put it on himself. Glory to glory, what a glorious God we serve that he would want to do that with us. Now, I want you to understand that when he says, take my yoke, it doesn't mean that the work disappears. There is not this fantasy world where you say, well, I'm gonna sit at Jesus's feet and the dishes disappear or the laundry goes away or my kids don't need me anymore, or I don't have to show up to work anymore because I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus. Hey, why are you late to work? I was sitting at the feet of Jesus this morning. All of those things still exist. But, but when you take Jesus, when you attach yourself to Jesus, he does something supernatural in you. And this is what he does. He provides rest for your soul. He provides rest for your soul. Listen, you can be physically, physically tight fit, wonderful, going strong and not have rest in your soul. And you are in a horrible place. But you can be worn out physically and have rest in your soul and be at so much peace. This is what it talks about, a peace that passes understanding. A peace that passes understanding. Guys, life is, anybody believe life is hard? Anybody? Life is hard, but guess what? We have the blessing of not having to walk life alone. We can walk 
with Jesus, alongside Jesus, and he will do the heavy lifting. And so being with Jesus, we are in lockstep with him and he shows us the way. Remember, we talked about the narrow path and the wide path. If you are connected to Jesus, he will lead you right down that narrow path that leads to abundant life. You've lost your way. Jesus says, I am the way. And if you're attached to Jesus, he will take you along his way. You bought into lies. Jesus says, I am the truth. And you will attach yourself to truth and you will learn what the truth really is. And some of us, we have attached ourselves to death. And Jesus says, I am the life. And if you attach yourself to me, you will experience life like you've never experienced it before. And so Paul mentions yoke also in the New Testament. It's no reason why Paul says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what does fellowship, what can, what, or what fellowship can light have with darkness? He's saying, he's saying don't be yoked because if you are attaching yourself to an unbeliever who does not know the way, does not know the truth, does not know the, tr- the life, then you are susceptible to be leading, led, excuse me, led down paths of destruction. And so we don't yoke ourselves. Doesn't mean we don't have relationships with unbelievers, but it means we don't get in lockstep with them because the person we're in lockstep with, the person of Jesus Christ is so much greater, so much better and sustains our life. Over in Galatians, Paul also says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened. Important word, again, again, by a yoke of slavery. You know what that means? All of us were yoked to slavery of sin. All of us. But if you're in this room and you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you are struggling with an addiction, you have been set free from that addiction. It is a choice of yours. You do not have to be bound anymore to the slavery of sin. You do not have to be yoked because we have been set free because of our savior, Jesus Christ. Attach yourself to Jesus. Come to me, says Jesus. Take my yoke, says Jesus. And whenever we take his yoke, we become, the word tells us, we are children of God. When you become a Christian, you are a child of God. This is what it says in John 1. It says, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You're a child of God. My kids live in my house. And guess what? I give them stuff to, I tell them, I need you to wash the dishes. I need you to pick up the clothes. I need you to do this. And guess what? Sometimes they obey and sometimes they don't. But whether they obey or whether they don't, it does not change how I feel and how much I love them. And the love of God is the prerequisite for the love of God in your life is not your performance and how much work you do for him. Because you are a child, not a slave. You are a child, not a slave. And you you can embrace being in the household of God as a child. You know, here's the thing. The church kind of does a bad job. I hope we don't do this here, but the church kind of does a bad job of saying, hey, listen, come and be a Christian and then work yourself into the ground in the house of the Lord. Work yourself into the ground. And so here it is. We talk about Jesus a lot, but we don't talk hardly to him ever. 
And so it's work, 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 work. We'll slap Jesus on it. Here's the thing. The invitation is not for Jesus to just come be added to the pile of your busyness. He wants you to eradicate the busyness and he wants to be your main and only reason why. And then as you are still before him, he will speak to you and he will breathe life over you and he will give you instruction on the things you're supposed to do and the things you're not supposed to do. And you will find that when you get into places of being obedient to this sign, you can run with so much more joy, so much more joy. But every now and then, this is what he asks us to do. There is a difference, significant, I believe. There is a difference in doing things for Jesus and doing things with Jesus. There's a difference. Well, I was just doing that because this is what I feel like I'm supposed to do. This is what the, this is Jesus would do. What would Jesus do? This is what I'm supposed to do. Sometimes the answer is no and sit down. And dare I say, close your mouth. And this is why, you know, there's a story in the, in the scripture that talks about a donkey who, the God, who God used. Okay, we should talk about that story at some point, okay? There's a story where God used a donkey. Let me tell you something. God would rather use an obedient donkey than a disobedient person who's, who, who is after their own motive. God will often use the unusual suspects to cause real transformation and change. All throughout scripture, look at the people he chose in scripture, would not be the people I would have chosen because they didn't look the part, didn't sound the part, but they were willing to stop and listen. They were willing to stop and listen. Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. And if you are walking your life constantly weary, constantly burdened, then you have not surrendered to him. Here's what we do with our burdens. We either carry our burdens, bury our burdens, or we marry our burdens. Some of us carry our burdens and everybody else knows about it. I'm so tired. I'm worn out. I can't go out with you today. I, I've got this mound of laundry to do. I've got this thing to do. These kids are after me. I'm just, and you tell everybody, and it just on and on and on and on and on and on. Everybody knows you've got stuff going on, okay? Because you're carrying your burden. Some of us bury our burden. I'm great. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Everything's great. Everything's, I'm just so wonderful. I'm perfect. I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. And the minute some adversity hits, you go off the rails and respond in a way that is making everybody go, whoa, what happened to you? Because you have no capacity to deal with anybody else's mess because you have so many burdens that you have burdened, that you have buried, but you're smiling. I'm so great. I'm so good. <laughs> Everything's good. <laughs> or, you marry your burden. You marry your burden, which means I take my burden everywhere I go. I've just, I've just succumbed that this is my life. 
This is the hand that's been dealt to me and this is what I'm supposed to do. So I eat with my burden, I sleep with my burden, I talk with my burden. If I introduce my, my, I introduce my burden to my friends, I mean, it is just what I'm supposed to contend with. It's just life. I've married my burden. And none of those three things is correct because Jesus wants to remove your burden. He wants to take your burden. He wants to be the heavy in the relationship so that you can be light. And I'll tell you, there is no vice, no place, no people that can do anything for your burden, but cause you momentary satisfaction and numbness from it because it's always gonna be right there unless you surrender it to him. Unless you surrender it to him. He says, come to me. Take my yoke. The third thing he says is this. And he says, learn from me. Now we actually could probably get our minds around come to me and we might get to the point where we say, okay, I'm gonna be attached to you, Jesus. <laughs> but in order for me to learn, it means I have to acknowledge I don't know it all. And that's hard. Because look, Justin, I'm attached to Jesus. I've come to him, so listen to what I got to say because I've got all the answers. How many know, for me anyway, when I get to those still quiet places and I think I know exactly what God's gonna say, he tells me something completely opposite. I'm saying, Lord, smite them. And he says, Kevin, forgive them. What? Okay, don't like, like you're the only, I'm the only one who has prayed that prayer. Smite, you probably didn't use the word smite. <laughs> there are some other words that we probably shouldn't use, okay? Learn from me, he says. Learn from me, learn from me. Are you learning from the Lord Jesus Christ? Because his ways are not our ways. His ways are far above our ways. And it takes getting with him, taking on his yoke before you can get in a place that you can actually stop enough to listen and hear what he has to say about the situation. And more times than not for Kevin O'Day, his, his, uh, his direction is far different than what I made up in my mind. And it's always the better path. It's always the better path. But let me tell you about this better path. It's the better path only when he goes with me only when he's with me, because there is no way that I could do that path without him and on my own. There's a story in the, um, the Old Testament about a guy named Elijah. And Elijah was faced off with King Ahab and King Ahab, uh, King Ahab, they were in the middle of a drought for three years. And Elijah was a going to come and say, God is gonna bring rain, but it's going to be the one true God. But before this happens, we gotta solidify who is the real God here. And so he called out, he said, bring the prophets of Baal, the false God out, bring all those prophets out. And this is what we're gonna do. You all build your altar and I'm gonna build mine. And we're gonna call out, you call out to your gods and I'm gonna call out to the one true God. And we're gonna see which God actually responds. And so the prophets of Baal, they cried out and they went hysterical and did all types of crazy things, crying out to their gods and nothing happened. Elijah, though, cried out to the one true God, but before something interesting happened. Before he did that, 
He said, I want you to take four buckets of water and I want you to dump it on this, uh, on this altar. And they did that. And he said, that's not enough. Let's get four more buckets. And they dumped it on the altar. And he said, that's not enough. Let me get four more buckets. He wanted to make sure that when people saw the fire there, that it was not manufactured, but it was supernatural. And he cried out to God Almighty, the one true God, and God caused fire to come down from heaven and burn on that altar space. All the prophets of Baal faced down on the ground. Ahab convinced, whoa, this, this God must be real. So, but Ahab went home and he talked to his wife, Jezebel. And let's just say Jezebel wasn't having it. Jezebel wasn't having it. And Jezebel sent word to Elijah, says, I'm coming after you and I'm coming to kill you. And Elijah got scared and he started to run. Now, many would fault Elijah for that decision. Okay, I can go there. I think it was human. Because there comes a point with all of us, no matter God, whether God's using us or not, where we become depleted in our flesh. And Elijah ran, if you recognize the direction with which he ran, he was running toward the mountain of God. He was running in that direction. So he was running in the right direction, but he was running out of fear. And he got so depleted and exhausted that he collapsed and fell asleep. And the Bible tells us that God smited him because he did the wrong thing. No, that's not what happened at all. Look, y'all were like, what? I didn't know that Bible story. <laughs> An angel of the Lord appeared, said, hey, buddy, you're tired. You're worn out. Here's some bread. Eat, eat. Elijah woke up and he ate and he fell back asleep. And then again, an angel appeared and he said, here's some bread. Eat, your journey is long. Oh, don't you just love it when the Lord comes along and encourages you in your weakest, most desperate moment. And he met Elijah right where he was. Guys, this God Almighty, he will meet you right where you are. The Lord did not expect Elijah to get his life together before he met with him. He stopped and collapsed and the Lord was right there saying, let me give you what you need. And he took care of Elijah's physical needs and he goes and he runs to the mountain of the Lord and he gets in this cave and he gets in this cave and the Lord is going to appear to him. And this is what, this is what happens. It says, then the word of the Lord came to him. So Elijah, what are you doing here? Listen to what Elijah says. Listen to this response. I've been working my heart out. I'm going to say that again. I've been working my heart out. For the God of the angel army, said Elijah, the people of Israel have abandoned your covenant, destroyed the places of worship, and murdered your prophets. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me. Then he was told, go stand on the mountain at attention before God, because God is going to pass by. And at that, a hurricane wind ripped through the mountains and shattered the rocks before God. But God was not found in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but God wasn't found in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but God wasn't found in the fire. And after the fire, God was found in a gentle, quiet whisper. So Elijah what are you doing here? When you are worn out and depleted 
it is the worst time for you to make a life-altering decision. When you are weary, downtrodden, and distraught, it is not time to exit out of that position, make some life-altering change. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and hear the words of God and get direction from Him. Because most likely, most likely, what God is going to tell you to do wasn't what you were trying to do in your flesh. Because if you notice here, when Elijah responds to God, he gives the exact same response, but here's what God tells him to do. He says, go back the way you came. Go back the way you came. The difference is, is that this time you are restored, you are refreshed, and you have a word from God. You can go to any place, any battle, any time if you've got a word from the Lord. If you are strengthened by the Lord's strength, he will carry you and give you victory in all of your situations. If you'll just lean on him, if you'll just trust him, because Jesus wants to give you rest for your soul. Rest for your soul. I would have to think that there's some people that haven't experienced this type of rest in a very long time. And today, I would say, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. He wants to, he wants to change that. And so what happens is you get saved. Holy Spirit comes in your life and he begins to breathe life over you. And he says, this is who you are. And he says, this is what I want you to do. He says, here's how you're going to do it. And he says everything about who you are and who he is in your life. And as he breathes life into your life, you walk around and you are inflated with Jesus. And when people look at you, they see Jesus and Jesus is pronounced in your life. But something along the way comes, something comes along and you take on something that you're not supposed to bear. You take on the things, you take on the words, the lies of people that say things the accuser says about you. And all of a sudden you begin to believe those things and you step into this realm where you're connected sort of to Jesus, but you're also doing some things in your own strength. And Jesus is like, what is this? This is not supposed to be a part of the package. You weren't ever supposed to pick that up. And as you continue to go down that path, all of a sudden you become deflated. And struggling in that deflated mode, because we are performance driven, because I need everyone in here to see me polished and nice, we start to try to inflate our lives by ourselves. My own works, my own deeds, my own strength, vices and people and lies. And all of a sudden we are overcome by pride. Pride says, I don't need anybody else. I can do this on my own. I can do this on my own. But what happens with pride, inevitably, it brings you right back to the place you were, deflated and needing Jesus. 
But when you come to Jesus and you truly come to him and you take upon his yoke and you learn from him, he fills you up and he seals you. He seals you to where everywhere you walk, everywhere you go, people will taste and see, not that you're good, (laughs) but that he is. I wonder what it would look like, guys, if we would stop working so hard to be incredible, that we would stop working so hard to be so awesome that we might give a little bit of a capacity to recognize that he's actually the awesome one. He's actually, that's the beauty of the gospel is that you don't have to be amazing and awesome because he is. He's the one doing the work. He's the one who paid the price. He's the one who gives life, not you. You can't even give life to yourself, let alone to anybody else. And so he says, be still and know that I am God. When was the last time, I'm asking you this question, please answer it in your mind. When's the last time you were at Jesus's feet? And if the answer to that question is, man, Kevin, it's, it's been some time, then I have to follow up with why? Why? Are you in a place where you don't need him? Are you at a place where you're good enough carrying that burden by yourself? Oh yeah, I'm saying some convicting things right now because I need to hear it over and over and over again. I need to hear it. I wanna be one who comes to Jesus. I wanna be one who's attached to Jesus. I wanna be one who is learning from Jesus how to walk this life. And guys, it is hard because everyone around you is saying, go, 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 go. And when you don't answer them favorably, they got every opinion in the world to render to you. But their opinions don't matter. What matters, what matters is that you're connected to the life source, to the life giver, which is Jesus Christ. And when you're connected to him, you will learn that if you're honest with yourself, that's what it starts with, honesty. Am I weary? Am I burdened? Some of you, the answer is yes. And if you're burying that burden, the answer is yes. And you walk in humility. Humility is a sober understanding of who I am and what I'm capable of. Kurt, I need help. I can't do this by myself. Marcos, I can't do this alone. Jed, I need, I need help. I'm, I'm messed up. Will, I'm messed up. I need help. Humility. And then surrender. Come to me, honesty. Take my yoke. Humility. Learn from me. Okay, God, I abandoned my ways. I want to learn from you. And when we do these things, honesty, humility, and surrender, we will learn that no matter where you are, what you've done, or how heavy it is, Jesus can always be found. Jesus can always be found. When I was 16 going on 17, I think that's a song. When I was 16 going on 17, 
the burden was heavy. I had just met Jesus, really met Jesus, relationship with Jesus. And I had a whole lot on my plate. You know why? Because I needed Kurt to like me. <laughs> I needed Barbie to like me. I needed Ronnie to like me. <laughs> and so I would do and do and do and do and do and perform and perform and perform. And that was around the season when the Lord wanted to have a relationship with me. But the problem was, is I didn't have capacity for a relationship with God because I was doing all this stuff and the stuff I was doing wasn't bad. It was all good stuff, but it wasn't with him. And I got to a place where I couldn't take it anymore, guys. And I wanted to take my life. And I planned to take my life. And I'll tell you, the sovereign almighty God, because he's so gracious and kind to Kevin O'Day, it's only happened once in my life. He spoke to me audibly and said, Kevin, I'm not done with you yet. And I'm here to tell you, some of you need to hear the words of the Lord. He is not finished with you yet. But may it not take you getting to a place where you are so burdened and so taxed that you get to the end of your rope before you get to a place where you can hear the Lord. Like Elijah, where you've collapsed, where you're down, where you're discouraged. Because the invitation to come is not just to those who wait till the, when they're at the end of the rope. It's a daily invitation to come. It's a daily invitation to empty yourself and to fill yourself up with Him. He says, come to me, come to me and know that I am God. Come to me, be attached to me, learn from me. And so we're going to close the service in a different way today. I want you to stand with me. And um, this is what we're gonna do. And I'll just ask you to forgive me if this makes you uncomfortable, okay? She wrote a song, Brittany, um, for our conference. And one of the lyrics in the uh, song in the conference, one of the lyrics said about tears being sewed in the mauve carpet that was in the old sanctuary. And I resonated <laughs> with that song because I've got some sewed tears in a mauve carpet. Now our carpet stinks here, okay? Not stinks in the quality, it stinks with regard to, it's not as comfortable as that mauve carpet was. But you have permission, not just now, but anytime. I remember the first worship night I attended here at Smyrna Assembly, Ronnie got up and we recorded, it was the recording session. And the very first thing is he said, this is your place to connect with your God. And guys, may I tell you that this is your place to connect with your God. And I believe that there may be some that need to come and just lay out in the carpet here and sow some tears and get with Jesus. But it's gonna take some honesty. It's gonna take some humility. It's gonna take some surrender. But I mean, maybe you're not at a place where you're like, I don't wanna get in front of everybody and sob on the carpet. Well, guess what? You've got a mauve colored chair that you can turn around and make your altar space. But if you don't mind, instead of us checking this service off the list, checking our Sunday to do off the list, I, I, I'm ending, we're gonna end right on time, okay? So we're not getting out late. I just wanna take the next five minutes. And we're not gonna sing. She's gonna play, but we're not gonna sing. 
we're just going to spend some time with Jesus because some of us just need to come and we need to confess, God, I've been shouldering it by myself and I'm tired. I'm weary. And there's some special things that can happen in his altar space if you just get honest enough to come and get humble enough to come. And there's some of you in this room, there has to be some of you that you're like this. Some of you are, you're filled. You've been spending time with Jesus. And if that's you, you should be excited about what we're about to do because it means you can pray for those who are broken and heavy. So there is something for everybody in this place right now, a response for everyone. And you do not have to leave here the same way you came. You can come to Jesus because he's here right now. So we're gonna take a moment and we're gonna worship You're invited to come and fill this altar space, to make your chair an altar, but let's just be still in his presence and let's talk to the one we say we love most, Jesus.